Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Glory be to Jesus. Thank you, Father. The Bible says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. I'm going to read it again in Passion Translation, 1 Timothy 4.14. It says, Don't minimize the powerful gift I say, don't minimize the powerful gift that operates in your life, for it was imparted to you by the laying on of hands of the elders and was activated through the prophecy they spoke over you. Let's jump to 2 Timothy chapter 1, from verse 6 to 7. Second Timothy chapter 1, 6 to 7. It says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I'll read it again in the Passion Translation. I'm writing to encourage you to fan into flames and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift of God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. Holy Spirit, breathe upon your word. Give me utterance and give everyone understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on now. Are you guys awake? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. I'm teaching now. Um, when, I was, when I was growing up, I don't know about you guys. I don't know which of you... Some of you guys were probably very gifted. When I was growing up, I never felt like I was gifted. I personally never felt like I was gifted. I, I felt like I was average at many things, not really exceptional at anything. Like I was never going to make it to Premier League, though I could score one or two goals in a year kind of thing. Average, right? If you see me, you're not going to say this guy is really tall. You're not going to say I'm really short. You're not going to say he's really handsome. You're definitely not going to say I'm ugly. Uh, <laughs> Bookie will be mad at you, <laughs> right? Um, I didn't feel like I was super smart, and I also wasn't like particularly, you know, behind. I just felt like I was average. I was an ordinary guy, for the most part. But I was an ordinary guy with an extraordinary God. I can assure you. And God does not need you to feel like you're gifted or not. But I come to realize, contrary to what I believe, that God has given everyone gifts. Let me assure you that where I start today is not where I end, all right? God has given everyone gifts. God has given you something that you do naturally well, better than everybody else. For some people, they cook well. For some people, when they cook, the outcome is not, um, it's not the desired outcome. Let's just put it that way. And I fall into that category. Every time I cook, it's an experiment. I cannot guarantee the outcome, all right? Every time is a different outcome. 
For some people, they're gifted, you know, with aptitude. Some people are, ah, nah, I'm under attack now. <laughs> Please, can we bind and lose? With my mic, I can switch, right? Is it my mic? Please give me something else, thank you. This guy's bothering me. Right. Can you can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay, thanks. Rachel, your anointing is hot. This mic is hot. All right, sorry about that. Yeah, so I was saying that um, God has gifted everyone. God has given so everyone something that they do naturally well. Some people are good, you know, very mentally sharp, the aptitude. And some people, even within the aptitude framework, some people are good at math, some people hate English. How many of you are good at math and you hate English? How many of you like English and hate math? <laughs> right. Some people are good with tech. Some people are good with sports. There's something that everyone does naturally well. No matter how disadvantaged you think you are, God has leveled the playing field in that way in the sense that he's given you at least one thing that you do naturally well. So you're naturally gifted. And giftings are given for callings, by the way, as far as God is concerned. God gives you gifts to support a calling. And when you hear calling, don't freak out. All right, because when you hear calling, you probably think you're going to be a pastor or something like that. It doesn't necessarily mean pastor. It just means an assignment. Anything that God would have you do, he will give you gifts for it. The Bible says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. In Exodus chapter 31, the Bible talks of a guy called Bezalel. This guy was gifted in crafts. He could work with his hands. And the Bible says that God said, I have called him by name. So that was a calling. All right. That was a calling. So giftings are deployed into your life for callings, for things that God would have you do. And believe me, God needs representation in every sphere of society, not just people that speak tongues in church. God needs people in every industry, in every sphere of society, and that's why he has given us gifts. But the thing about God is that no matter how gifted you are in the area of your calling, there would always be a gap. You understand? So let's assume... That God has called you to be a leader like Moses. So God gave Moses leadership abilities from the time when he was young. Something in his heart yearned for the people. He had compassion for the people. But there was a gap. He was a stutterer. And after a while, he became a fugitive. So God will give you something, but God will never give you everything you need. Because God requires you to trust him and to lean on him to fill that gap and to bridge that gap in your life. And so God gives everyone gifts. You have a natural ability that you're, that you're over and above most people when we, when we put you together with other people. And a gift is not bought, by the way. A gift is given. You don't buy a gift. It's given. You can ask for a gift, and you can get a gift, but a gift is not bought. It's not earned. It is given. A gift is something that has value. So if I came to you right now, and I gave you... An empty bottle of water. That's something I can think about. Is that a gift? I want you to tell me, is that a gift? Christmas is coming. I wrap for you. <laughs> Fantastic wrapping. On Christmas Day, I give it to you. You open it up, and it's an empty bottle of water. Is that a gift? That's not a gift. Well, unless you're in the recycling business, then that might be a gift for you. But for most people, that's not a gift at all. Why? It has no value. 
it has no value. So a gift is something that has value, and most times it has value to the person who receives the gift, and it has value to other people. A gift has the ability to add value to your life and to the life of other people. A gift has utility. That's what I'm trying to say. It's useful. Have you seen those people on the internet that have weird talent? You find them like some of these strangers. You say, this guy has like some of the strangest talents ever. Useless gifts that can <laughs> not use for anything. All right? Um, but a gift has value. A gift has utility. A gift has utility. And so let me break it down a little bit. When you're born, naturally, God gives you something that you're, go- that you're good at. Can we, pull, can we pull the room just a little bit? I can't pull the people online, unfortunately. But what, what are some of the things that people can be good at? Natural giftings that people can have. You're born with it. Singing? Yes. Dancing? Uh-huh. Talking? Mm. Painting? Art? Of course. What? Writing? Writing? Yes. Math? Geeks? Right? Math, yeah? You're born with natural abilities. You don't know why, but as you started to grow up, you realize that you were better than most people at certain things. For some things, obviously, your parents told you, go and read your book. You know what I mean? This is useless. <laughs> this is useless. You're playing soccer. You scored 10 goals today. What's that got to do with us in this family? Right? And so because of that, obviously, there's some things that we grew up with that were a gift that we kind of put to the back burner because people or society frowned on them. All right. Um, it was in its raw form. But God can do great things with anything. But then, when you're also born again, when your spiritual birth happens, because we are born twice. We die once, we are born twice. When your spiritual birth happens, you also receive some gifts from God. Just like you receive someone you were born naturally. There are things that God puts in you, which we call spiritual gifts. You find some of them in Romans chapter 8. Romans 12, you also find some of them um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what we call the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible talks about gifts of administration, gift of generosity, gift of kindness, gift of leadership, um, gift of teaching. Then the Bible talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and all that other stuff. So there are gifts that come into your life when you're born naturally, and when you're born spiritually, there are some things that God will download into your life. You may not know it. You might not be aware of the fact that you've received something, but I guarantee you, you've received something. And with everything that God gives us, everything that God gives us, he expects stewardship. With everything that God gives, <laughs> God is shrewd. When you read your Bible, you understand that there is, no, there is nothing in all of Scripture that suggests that God is okay with neglect or unfruitfulness or unproductivity. God, God does not, there's nothing, I cannot find anywhere in scripture that God just was just okay with people taking things that he's given to them and not using it or not increasing or multiplying what he's given to them. God expects stewardship of everything that he has given to you. So you and I, in the kingdom of God, we are not owners, we are stewards. As a matter of fact, in the kingdom of God, I heard someone say that owners are rebels. And, and some of us are rebels right now because you believe you own your life. Your very life that God has given to you, God expects you to be a steward of that life. Stewardship just means that you're not the owner. You're managing it for someone who owns it. And your job is to look after it, 
to protect it, to guard it, to increase it in value so that when the owner comes back, he finds something that was more than what he left with you. That's what it means to be a steward. And so in the kingdom of God, owners are rebels. We own nothing. I hope you know that. We own absolutely nothing, including your life. And so some examples in the Bible I can think about. In the parable of the talents, remember the parable of the talents? The Bible says that a man gives his servants talents, really means money, all right, in the language of the Bible, and he goes on a trip. He comes back. The first servant said, yes, you gave me two. I have done business with it. I've made two more. And he says, you're a good and a faithful servant. You know, move on. The other guy comes, says, you gave me five. I have done business. I have five now. He says, you're a good and a faithful servant. The other guy comes. He says, you gave me one. And I was scared of losing the one that you gave me. So I went and buried it. And here is your one. The master said to him, you are a wicked and a lazy servant. And what he had was taken from him and given to the one who had more. Because that guy was a better manager. Jesus gets to a fig tree. Another example. It's out of season. And the Bible says he's expecting fruit. And when he doesn't find fruit, the Bible says he speaks to the tree and says to the tree, let no man ever eat of you again. God does not tolerate unfruitfulness in general. I want to read to you a particular episode, a story, a parable in Luke chapter 13. One of the ones I really love. Luke 13 from verse 6 to 9. Just to buttress that point, and I go to where I'm trying to get to this morning. The Bible says that, Luke 13 from verse 6. He also spoke this parable saying, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Oh, this is a no-no with God, by the way. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. In other words, give me one more chance. Let me do some things. Let me work around this guy and see if I can produce some fruit. And if it bears fruit, but not, if not, after that, you can cut it down. There is nothing in the Bible that suggests that Jesus or God is okay with unfruitfulness. Jesus says to us in John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. He says that the branches in me, they bear fruit. My father would come and trim. The ones that do not bear fruit, my father would come and cut them off. There is nothing that suggests that Jesus is okay with unfruitfulness. So Paul tells Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in you. Pay attention. The reason why Paul is telling Timothy this is because Timothy was a young leader. And Timothy was a timid dude. He had a gift of teaching. But this guy would refuse to teach. And Paul had to write to Timothy saying, do not neglect the gift that you have. And then in 2 Timothy, which is a different letter altogether, which was written years after. It wasn't like he wrote it this week and next week. It was years after. He's writing to Timothy again. And he's saying to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 from verse 1, he says that, 2 Timothy chapter 1 from verse 6, he says that, I remind you 
Timothy, to stir up the gift that is in you. Paul is a mentor. He understands that his mentee is about to make a mess of the gift that God has given to him. And so for many of us right now, I wonder if what Jesus will write to you is neglect not the gift and stir up the gift. I wonder if Jesus would ask you, where is the fruit that I expected from my investment in you? Because a lot of you did not ask when you were, when you were coming from heaven, you went to God's bedroom. He doesn't have a bedroom, just saying. Hey, God, I'm going, to, I'm going to the earth now. I would like to be able to draw, please. I would like to be able to sing, too. I'd like to be like a real high soprano. None of us did that. We just showed up here, and we had certain things that were invested in us, certain things that were put in us, and we started to, some of us use them, some of us not use them. Some of us bury them. Some of us neglect them. But I'm not really talking about your gifts, your physical gifts and your spiritual gifts today. Um, it's a platform to talk about something greater and something deeper. We did a teaching at the beginning of the year. I believe it was the first sermon this year about let us use them. Spoke about your gifts, so you should go, 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 go deal with that one there. But where I'm going to is this, that many of us fail to realize that the Holy Spirit is also a gift. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just give us gifts. You know the gifts of the Spirit? The gifts of the Word of Wisdom, which allows you to know things in the future. It's a directive gift as to what to do. The gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of prophecy, tongues, interpretation, the gifts of healings and all that stuff, faith, the discerning of spirits. Those are gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are gifts that the Spirit of God puts in you when you become a Christian. But the Holy Spirit himself is a gift. So backtrack. Everything I just said about gifts, you need to apply to the Holy Spirit. Number one, stewarding the Holy Spirit that you have within you. So if I was to write this to you, not Paul to Timothy now, this is to himself and Lighthouse Church, I would say to you, neglect not the gift that is in you. But I'm not talking about the gift. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit that is in you. If I was to write to you, I would say to you, stir up the gift that is within you. That was given to you, he said, by the laying on of hands of the elders. The Holy Spirit that was given to you is also a gift. Am I speaking to you? It's not just the things that the Holy Spirit brings into your life. He himself is a gift. And so in, in, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter speaks on the day of Pentecost, and the Bible says a lot of people listen to his sermon, they are cut to the heart, they are convicted, and they ask Peter, what shall we do? Peter says to them, repent. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not just a giver of gifts. He is also a gift given to you by God. Don't forget we established that a gift must have value and utility. So he's not some useless entity that God has attached to you to spy on you. Some of us feel like the Holy Spirit, sometimes I feel like the Holy Spirit is spying on me. I'm like, dude, really? Can you let me get away with just that one? No, he will not. He is a gift from God 
to us. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is teaching, and he's, this is the, from the beginning, you know, earlier parts. He's talking about asking, you shall receive, seeking, you shall find, knock, the door will be open, all that stuff. And he gets to a point, and he says to the people that, which of you, being a good father, if your child asks you for bread, would you give him a stone? Would your child, if your child asks you for, um, he asks for fish or something, would you give him a serpent or something and he give you a scorpion? And he says this in Luke eleven thirteen that if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift not just to believers, he's a gift to the world. I know that's a surprise to some of us because you think the Holy Spirit is exclusively working for you and I. No, he's a gift to the world. And there are three streams of this gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about that um, um, for a minute and then I close because I'll give you time on the back end to pray. There are three streams of this gift of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, if you're going to be a good steward of the gift of the Holy Spirit in you, you must understand this. Number one is that the Holy Spirit is with us. Number two, the Holy Spirit is in us, and the Holy Spirit is upon us. The Holy Spirit with us is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the world. What he does is that he convicts sinners. How many of you are born again? You gave your heart to Jesus at some point. Raise your hand. Okay. You weren't saved, so how did the Holy Spirit convict you? He has a ministry to unbelievers. The Bible says that when the spirit of truth has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit that lets you know when you've done something unrighteous. Whether you're born again or not, that's a ministry to the world. He's the one that gives people <laughs> a fear of judgment. People say they brag all the time. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. All that stuff. And then, all of a sudden, they're like two months from dying. Maybe the doctor gives them bad news. All of a sudden, they start to wonder, what's going to happen to me after I die? That sense of judgment, that conviction of judgment comes in. I say, I thought you were an atheist, bro. You close your eyes, you close your eyes forever. No. The Holy Spirit does a work in the hearts of people to convict us of judgment. So the Holy Spirit is with us. Holy Spirit is also in us and upon us. So when you give your heart to Jesus, the day that the conviction of the Holy Spirit was strong enough that you responded. Some of you did it in your bedroom. Some of you did it in a church service. Some of you did it wherever, on YouTube. What happens in that moment is that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. That's the Spirit of God in you. There is a separate experience of the Spirit of God upon you. That's the Spirit of God that comes upon you and empowers you. So please listen to what I'm about to say to you. If you do not steward the gift of the Holy Spirit within you, all the benefits that come from the Holy Spirit within you, you will not get them, even though He's there. You will not get them, even though he's there. I'll give you an example. Yesterday morning, afternoon, late morning, I was driving. I was about to drive 
from Toronto to Ottawa. And I got in the car, I set out, um, I had my kids on with me and, and whatnot. And as I, as I set out of the house, I was, I just started to pray in tongues. I started to pray in spirit. My kids know I'm weird. So my, my son, the one that is mouthy now, say, Daddy, that language again. Yes, that language again. So I was praying in the spirit. And three minutes into the journey, the Holy Spirit said to me, you left your wallet. Now, I would never have known that because my wallet has a default location. It's in my backpack all the time. But the day before, we had gone to DQ. I took my wallet out and I forgot to put it back in the right place. I was driving to Ottawa on a half tank of gas. So I would have gotten to like Kingston just to realize no wallet. Well, God forbid I get pulled over. I always drive the speed limit, okay? Speed limit all the time. So I would never get pulled over in Jesus' name. No license, nothing on me. So what would have looked, my day have looked like yesterday? I had to go back after two hours of driving just to come back. But you see, the Holy Spirit within us does a lot of those kinds of work, those kinds of activities. Very subtle, very gentle, but saves you much stress and inconvenience in life. The Spirit of God in you. Let me do a little bit of distinguishing between the two. When the Spirit of God comes and indwells you as a Christian, that manifestation of the gift is to help you live the Christian life. To help you live a good life. The Spirit of God upon you is not to help you live a good life at all. It's to help you serve. So, so, if you don't steward the gift of the Holy Spirit within you, and you steward the one upon you, you will be anointed. You will wave your hands and everyone will fall down. You will declare and it will be established. You will heal the sick, you will raise the dead, and you can die of sickness. Because it's not the gift of healing that you have that heals you when you're sick. The gift of healing is for ministry. It's the spirit upon that brings that dimension. <laughs> the spirit within you helps you live the Christian life. That's the one that helps you to live holy. I hope you know that people say it's difficult to live the Christian life. It's not difficult to live the Christian life at all. It is impossible to live the Christian life. Have you read your Bible where Jesus Christ says that if you think evil in your heart, in your heart, really? So all of us are killers. <laughs> we are all murderers. That's what the Bible is trying to tell us. It's impossible to live the Christian life. So what God does, by the way, because the Christian life is a calling, and I said gifts are for callings, is that for every calling there's a gift. And for this life that we are called to live, the Holy Spirit is a gift deployed to stand alongside you and I. So we can do it effectively. But if you try to live the Christian life without stewarding the gift that is within you, you will struggle. Every day you feel like you're standing up and falling down, like you're tripping up every single day. It's a different anointing. So in the life of Jesus, I'll use the life of Jesus, his disciples, and the church to model this so you're, it's firm in your heart. Jesus never needed to be born again. I hope you know that. He was born again from the beginning. But we know that when Jesus was baptized, the Bible says that the heavens opened and the Spirit of God came. Come on, are you Bible students? Came and descended what? Upon him. And the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he came, in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says he came back in the power of the Spirit. 
Then he went into the synagogue, Luke 4, 18, and he took the, the scroll, the Old Testament, the law, opened the Bible to Isaiah chapter 61, and he started to read. And the Bible says there that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Look at the things it anointed him to do, to preach, to heal, to bind the brokenhearted, to set the captive. None of that stuff benefits you at all. It's for other people. Why did, G Why did the Bible say that Jesus came back in the power of the Spirit? Because he did not have that power before. That was a completely different experience from what he already had. The disciples of Jesus, John chapter 20 and verse 22. I'm rushing for time because I know that we kind of went over a bit with... Um, early part. John 20 and verse 22, the Bible says, by the way, the disciples of Jesus were not born again until they saw Jesus rise from the dead. When they saw him alive. That's the only time you can be born again. You believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, put your faith in him, blah, 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 all that stuff. John chapter 20 and verse 20, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to his disciples. They were having a, a meeting and he just showed up. Peace be unto you. In that moment, they believed on him. That's when they became born again. And the Bible says, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20. This was before he went to heaven. Tell me why in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he's saying to them again, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So what came upon me before? This was the Spirit within them. The other one was the Spirit upon them. That's why after this one, nothing changed. It was just, they were just loving Jesus. They could pray. When the other one came, that one is boisterous. That one is charismatic. The whole crowd gathered and Peter stood up and started to preach eloquently. Healings, deliverance, everything started to take place because that's the spirit upon. That is given to you for service. By the way, God can put that upon a donkey. So when people admire anointings, and they don't admire character. It's because you don't understand. You see a man of God. You say, this man of God, I can't understand. How can he be so anointed? And look at the stories about the scandals. I'm like, <laughs> it's because he hasn't cultivated the spirit within. You can be as anointed, deathly anointed, and your life is a wreck. Because it's the spirit within you that empowers you to live the Christian life. It's the spirit within you that gives you joy. You can preach a sermon, deliver captives, go home, and be on drugs. I've, met, I've seen a pastor that guy was very anointed and he was addicted to drugs. He would literally shoot drugs off his veins. Why? There is a difference between the spirit upon you for service and the spirit within you. The one in you is for you. I'm privileged by the grace of God to serve as a pastor. And there is a grace that comes with the office I occupy. And when I stand here, I can minister under the anointing. When I come down, in a matter of minutes, that anointing will lift. I'm a regular dude. You come to me and say, Pastor, uh, pray for me. This is what's going on in my life. I, I would have to pray from the anointing I have inside me. I have to draw from the well. The one within you is a well. The other one is a river. It flows and it lifts. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. It's for service. It's for service. It's not That one is not going to deliver you from demon oppression. You can be a demon caster and be demonized. 
it's the one within you that gives you life, that helps you live your Christian life. That's the one that helps you actually make heaven. The other one can actually send you to hell faster because you will be deceived. You will think because you stretch your hands and people are healed that the Lord is with you. But you will be shocked to realize that God Jesus can say, I never knew you. Depart from me. So there is an anointing, a gift that God has put in you when you give your heart to Jesus. It's your responsibility to steward that gift. The more you respond to the Holy Spirit, it increases within you. It's the same principle with every gift that God gives you, by the way. If you respond appropriately, it increases. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life, I'm not talking about vibrations. I'm talking about just to live the Christian life. If your tank is full or empty, the one in you produces the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, self-control. The one upon you is what produces the gifts of the Spirit. But you know one thing about all the gifts of the Spirit? The anointing within you can produce the same thing. It's just a different expression. So the gift of faith, for example. The gift of faith is a very, very dramatic gift. It's the kind of gift that you speak a thing that sounds ridiculous and it comes to pass. You have an unusual, you, you, it's almost like you're God in that moment when it comes upon people. There was a man called Archbishop Benson Idahosa. He operated the gift of faith like very few people. Right? But the anointing within you will produce faith in your life too, which you would use for your own daily life. If you're trying to use the gift of faith to run your daily life, you will be shocked. It's for service. So I can see you now and just tell you, oh, Pastor, I've been looking for a job for six months. And I tell you, go. Next month, you get a job. Next week, you get a job. That's the gift of faith. It will happen 100%. But let me try that for my own life. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> you know, Eluta, <laughs> you'll be on Eluta for months. It doesn't work. It's your faith that you work out to receive from God. For yourself, it's a different application. Samson had the anointing of God upon his life. Do you remember how he ended? Terribly. Terribly. So the gift of God that's within you, the Holy Spirit, I need you to start to stir that gift. To steward it. And let me tell you how you do that. Because first and foremost, you know what? The Holy Spirit is the most important gift you have. Of every gift you have in life, the most valuable of all the gifts is the Holy Spirit that you have within you. I'll tell you why. One reason is because that's the one that guarantees your eternal destiny. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. It's the brand. It's the brand. So when you see a Mercedes car, you see the brand on the car. The Holy Spirit is the brand that's upon you. But even beyond that, the reason why the Holy Spirit is the most valuable gift you have is because the Holy Spirit can produce any other gift that anybody has. So we talked about some gifts a short while ago. Math. If the Holy Spirit within you is stirred up, he can make you a math genius for a moment. The Holy Spirit came upon Elijah. He became the Usain Bolt of his time. He ran faster than a horse. You understand that?
when the Spirit of God comes upon Samson, it gives him supernatural strength. So therefore, if you steward that one well, whatever you need at any point in time, that Holy Spirit will give it to you. That's why he's the most valuable gift you can ever have. Because you don't know what you need tomorrow. You don't know the day when you would go into a situation that requires you to know something that you've never studied. But the Holy Spirit can bring that thing to your knowledge. Jesus tells his disciples, he said to them, look, they would arrest you. They would take you up for trial. He says, when, you, when you're taken up for trial, don't worry about what to say. The moment you show up in the court, you will become a lawyer. The grace of God, the gift of God will give them utterance on what to speak. So I don't know what I will face tomorrow. And you definitely don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. Some of us are parents. Parenting now is the biggest ministry that exists as far as I'm concerned. You have to raise godly children. But the Holy Spirit can give you the right words in the, at the right time. The questions they ask, ridiculous. Ridiculous. You're in your place of work. You feel like you've stagnated. You've done everything you know how to. You've taken all the courses and all that stuff. The Holy Spirit can tell you what your next move should be. Whatever you need at any given time, he can do that and he can be that for you if you steward the gift properly. So how do you steward the gift of the Holy Spirit? The first thing, you have to acknowledge him in your life. Yesterday, I got a breakthrough obviously in my wallet situation because I acknowledge the Holy Spirit. If I just gone around my business as usual, I probably would have been in big trouble. You have to acknowledge him. How many of us really acknowledge the person of the Holy Spirit? All that he's done in our lives. We're talking about how to steward the gift now. Because when you steward the gift, it increases. There's a difference between you and the next Christian because one of them has, one, of the, one, one has mastered how to relate with that spirit, with that grace, that gift that is within you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is a helper. He's been called to walk alongside you. To help you do what? He's called to help you be like Jesus and he's called to help you do everything that Jesus did. The Spirit in you would help you be like Jesus in character. The Spirit upon you would help you do everything that he did in miracles, signs, and wonders. Steward the gift. Acknowledge him. Wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, I just want to acknowledge you in my life. I might not be able to see you, but I thank you because you are there. I thank you because you are there. I thank you because you are going with me to the office today. And I thank you because you will advise me on every critical issue. If you don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit in your life, it will be like he's not there. It will be like he's not there at all. But he's there. Problem is that you're like that person, that one servant who took the one talent and went to bury it. And so the dimensions of God within you, they're not increasing. And so you're living the Christian life. You're struggling through the Christian life. It's not meant to be struggled through. You're not meant to do it by yourself. You're struggling through the Christian life. You're a child of God and you're struggling with, you know, you're, you have no joy in your life. You have no peace in your life. 
Start by acknowledging him. Jamila, would you acknowledge him today? Okay. Acknowledge him in your life every day. Every chance you get, just acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Just watch what happens. Just, just, just watch what happens. You will be so shocked. You'll be stunned by yourself. Like, I can't believe this. This is happening to me. I didn't know, I, I didn't know this thing. I thought these guys were always lying. That's how I felt too. When people used to say, uh, I, I saw this, the Holy Spirit said, I said, how did he say it to you? Which ear? Is it this ear or is it this ear? Because I didn't hear anything. I was like that. I didn't know that these people have cultivated a relationship. They have they've been stewarding that gift for decades, for years. Acknowledge him. We're all giving a measure, the same measure, but we don't stay at the same level. The Bible says that Jesus Christ had the spirit of God without measure because this guy was like, him and the Holy Spirit were like best buds. He was living the life. And that's why he was able to be without sin. The Bible says he said to his disciples that the son of man, or the God of this world comes, he finds nothing in me. Can you say that? Acknowledge him. Lord, I acknowledge the Holy Spirit in my life. Because he's there, whether you like it or not. I know I didn't show you the scripture, but take my word for it. He's there. It's in John chapter 14. Jesus Christ said, when the spirit of truth is come, whom the world cannot receive, I think it's 14, John 14, 16 and 17, that he shall be with you and he shall be in you. First Corinthians, Corinthians 3, 16, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the spirit of God dwells in you. Just trying to prove to you that he's there. He's there. That you didn't shake in the morning when you woke up. This one in you does not make you shake. This is very, it's a well, but very efficient, very effective. Number two, you must thank him. I want to separate thanking him from acknowledging him because it's important. So whenever you do something, whenever something happens in your life that you get the slightest sense that this was the work of the Holy Spirit, be careful to thank the Holy Spirit. You're stewarding something the frequency and the potency would increase in your life. You will live like Jesus did. You know how I many disasters the Holy Spirit has saved you from? You just go about things and it was because I was smart. I got promoted at work. When you know that the answer or that project you worked on, you were crying many nights and one day you had a breakthrough of ideas your boss said, wow, I have never seen a project like this. You're like, yeah, we bless the Lord. But you didn't go back and say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me. Remember the ten lepros? Jesus healed all of them. Only one came back. And the Bible says when he came back, Bible says Jesus made him whole. So he got something more than the others had. Acknowledge him and thank him. Have, have a heart of thanksgiving to the Holy Spirit. There's so much, first and foremost, if you don't want to thank him for anything, thank him because he saved you. Do you know where you could have ended up? Or you think it was a right that you got saved? Some of you think it was a right. Like, of course, why wouldn't God save me? I mean, I was pretty good. Really? Yeah, I wasn't good at all. I'm thanking you, Holy Spirit, because you saved me. Because I don't know where I would have been by now. Hmm. <laughs> 
stewarding the gift. Number one was what? Acknowledging. Can you say that? Number two was what? Thank you. Can you say thank you, Holy Spirit? Can you mean it? Say thank you, Holy Spirit. Do you know what it means to have someone assigned to you whose entire job is to help you? His entire job is to help you. To comfort you. The Bible says he will guide you into all truth. It's the spirit within that saves you from deception. Not the spirit upon. You can be anointed and go into error. And start preaching things like Jesus was not born of a virgin. She was almost a virgin. You know that you're anointed. <laughs> Deception is the spirit within. Someone say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody say, thank you, Holy Spirit. As you're saying that, think about the things that the Holy Spirit has done in your life. The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. For leading you for leading you when you did not know your left from your right he led you here wherever you are now somebody say thank you holy spirit stewarding the gift i have to run now you have to yield to him if you want to see more of his operations in your life you must yield to him the holy spirit is gentle He's also touchy. The Bible says that you can grieve him. The Bible says you can resist him. And he says that sadly you can quench him. You must yield to him. When you don't yield to the Holy Spirit, you grieve him. When you don't yield for a while, you're starting to resist him. And ultimately you will quench him. Quenching him is just that you have now drowned his voice in your life. And all the help that he has to offer you, unfortunately, you're not able to receive it anymore. Not because he's not willing, because you have disqualified yourself. You must yield. What does it mean to yield? To step aside. Step aside. So many times the Holy Spirit will come to you and tell you, do this. Has it ever happened to you before? And if it hasn't happened to you, then you're suspect. Where you're praying for something very serious, you're trusting God for something major in your life. You actually set out time. Today for 30 minutes, I'm going to pray about this issue. You go to God and you start to pray. And you get an instruction from God that has absolutely nothing. Like, absolutely nothing to do with what I'm asking. Like, God, are you... like? Is, my, is there a language barrier here? Like, I'm talking about this. You are telling me to call this person. What has that got to do with the issue? But you know it's the Holy Spirit because that didn't come from your mind. Do you know how costly it is when we ignore those leadings? Because he just, he just backs off. Whereas, because you and I are logical beings, if you're praying for a job, for example, pastor comes and declares prophetically over you, you're getting your job this week. What you expect is that on Monday, you start getting calls from recruiters. Right? Come on now. That's what I expect. Now. Yeah, you start getting calls from recruiters. Because we're logical people. 
Unfortunately, that's not how the spirit realm works. And God does not live in our framework. So you can pray to God for a job. And God tells you, remember that your friend from high school, um, last time she, she, you know, person spoke to you, they told you they were going through some challenges or what. And he says, okay, can you help them with their issue? As far as God is concerned, he has answered your prayers. What's, so what's, tell me the connection. Please, help me. You people are spiritual. Can you tell me? But we don't live in the same framework. So there is spirit communication that gets scrambled. And so for months, you are, you are binding the spirit of unemployment. <laughs> You're binding the spirit of we regret to inform you that we've gone with another candidate. There's no spirit. There's no spirit. God has given you an instruction. Do you know how many things we miss out because we don't yield? Yielding is very difficult. It's easier said than done. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If you're married, you know how difficult it is to yield. Shout out to all the married people in the house. <laughs> the two of them. <laughs> Uh, it's very difficult to yield because you know where you're going. You know what you want to do. And you have to step aside and let somebody else. And the Holy Spirit is like that. You have to yield to him. And the more you do that in your life, the stronger he becomes. The more potent. The spirit within. Your daily devotion your daily walk with God, I'll call it. If you fast and pray, if you fast, really fast, and pray, long prayers, you will have the spirit of one. You will carry an anointing. You will. But the spirit within you, that's a deliberate daily walk with the Lord. Bit by bit. Just don't fast. Don't f- this <laughs> Fasting and prayer is helpful, but this is... Today I spent one, you know, whatever your your quiet time you spend it with the Lord, and you do it consistently. Don't spend time with God when you need something. Do it as a habit, because that well would always be full. You never know the day you need to draw water. You never know the day you need to draw water. Steward the gift that is within you. Stir it up. Praying in the Holy Spirit stirs it up. As a Christian, you should have a habit of just praying in the Spirit. I find that it's very helpful. If you don't believe me, do it for the next one week. Pray in the Spirit for 15 minutes a day for the next one week. I find that it makes you sharper. Because there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Your email is popping off. Your messages are going off. And God is trying to get your attention on an important issue. You know, I learned something also. Some of us think, for example, if you're going towards danger, and I see you going towards danger, I'm not going to say, oh, Bemi, turn left. I'm going to say, hey, watch right? Stop. The Holy Spirit has usually one method of communication with each person. One dominant method. And so something happens and then you ask the Lord, God, why didn't you tell me? Well, he told you. 
You just expected him to shout, to show up in your dream by night and say, hey, if you go here, something, but he's probably just put it in your heart. Don't go, don't go. Don't go, don't go. It's the same method. That's how he'll communicate with you on small things and on major things. If he's gracious to you, super gracious to you, then Toby is a prophet. Toby will just come to you in church and say, don't go. <laughs> right? You say, ah, so that's what God has been trying to tell me. Yes, that's what he's been telling you since. Don't go. Don't go. Stir it up. Acknowledge him. Please, Lighthouse, don't be a people that don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Paul said to Timothy, make sure you stir up the gift that is within you. For those of you who want to know how to stir up the anointing of one, we'll do that in a camp meeting. But I just gave you one secret. You fast and pray. It will come. If you walk in your calling, it will come. Even if you don't fast and pray too much. If you walk in your calling, it will come. If you want it to increase, fast and pray. And you have to know how the Holy Spirit works with you. Many of us don't know. It's interesting when you see Benny Hinn. Many of you know Benny Hinn. Some of you. Benny Hinn is a pastor, evangelist. He's an evangelist, not a pastor. Benny Hinn, I've gone to Benny Hinn meetings before. And Benny Hinn starts to worship. By the way, he doesn't care whether you're tired and you want to go home. I'm telling you, I'm like, this guy, we'll be here for a while, bro. He's just going to worship. He'll take some of his classics. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace. He will sing that song like 7,000 times. I'm just exaggerating. And in a moment, he will now say, the deaf are being healed now. The blind are being healed. Lame, you're walking. New kidney, new heart. I said, what? New heart where? In this place? <laughs> no, that's not how it works. A new heart. And you will see miracles break out. Thousands healed. Deaf. I saw Benny Hinn minister to like eight deaf people in a prayer line. And all, they came from a school for the deaf. A school for the deaf brought people to a Benny Hinn meeting. You know what that means? All of them were deaf. And Benny Hinn just, after doing his Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this. If I do that, the Holy Spirit will even go. It doesn't, it doesn't work. That, that's not my Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. Omnipotent. It just came down. Go, go, go. And they started to hear on the spot. I said, what? This is strange. You know why? He has stewarded that gift. He knows how to. He knows the handle of his gift. Some of you don't know the handle of your gift. For some of you, it might be prayer. For some of you, it might be meditation and solitude. When Pastor Deboe ministers, the handle of his gift is two things, three things. He has a saxophonist that travels everywhere with him. Then he will kneel down like this. He will sing one old ancient song. Then he will stand up and start teaching without jumping. He will not move two steps, he will stand like this for three hours and be preaching. Then he will start to receive the word of knowledge. There's somebody here. There's somebody here. Somebody here. Why do you think that is? 
steward the gift. Stand up. If you're going to be a giant, you're going to walk with the Lord faithfully. You're going to live a victorious Christian life. You must learn to steward that spirit within you. There is an anointing. The Bible says we have an unction from the Holy One. It says we know all things. How many of you feel like you have underutilized the Holy Spirit within you? Be honest. I'm definitely, I've not. There's a lot we can do with the Holy Spirit. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.